Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Terry Holt of the Pride Gym coming to you from Bradford over in the UK. Terry, what's going on, man? How are you today? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Joe. How are you? I am doing tremendously. I appreciate you asking, and I'm excited to get into this, Terry. I think I got a chance to to get a pretty good idea of what's going on within this off-air before we started. But for the people listening, I'm a big believer in context here, Terry. And so paint us this picture. The Pride Gym, when you describe what this is or, or what you do, what do you tell people? So... The reason, you know, the name is no accident, the Pride Gym. We do want to sort of have a community, um, you know, strong-minded, um, strong physically as well. Um, you know, it all relates and the logo relates back to Lions, etc. So the reason for it is we wanted to make a safe place for people to train, that they could feel comfortable, but not necessarily um, compromise on quality of kit. Uh, the kit available, the space available, the aesthetics, the atmosphere, et cetera, et cetera, that you might get in a lot of other gyms where people might then feel intimidated. So you want to try and take that feel out of it and try and strike a balance where, uh, so for example, in sort of CrossFit gyms, they work well on the community uh, at heart, where yeah. there is a lot of membership-based gyms, I'm not saying all, but a lot of, struggle to sort of capitalise on that. And we're trying, trying to sort of, hit in the middle really when we opened and that's where we that's where we started and that's where we sort of built on from there really and uh, it's going well yeah well we'll still here so something yeah. something must have gone yeah. right along the way uh and unfortunately in the past handful of years a lot of our industry isn't here anymore so there must be something of value here and for the purpose of our conversation i'm sure from a business perspective you are a far more educated business owner today than the day that we opened the gym with a little bit more experience behind your name. Take us back to when this whole thing did get off the ground. When was it that we actually opened and how have things evolved over the years? Yeah. So in terms of background, you know, the first day of the gym being opened was day one of us being a business owner for me. So yeah. like I said, you know, you learn a lot along the way. So in terms of, before that, we started um, planning to open a gym. I don't have an interest. I don't have a background in fitness or health. I've always had a background in military and engineering, so you know there's no real link there apart from that. I enjoyed to train, but I've yeah, always had a you. Open. You were the user more so than the client. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I knew, and you know, I used to travel around a lot with work, so I used to see what worked and what didn't work in other gyms. So, and with that travel came a lot of time to think and time to see what I wanted to do in life and you know owning a business was always just a scratch I wanted to itch so in that time you know I, dream, I dreamt up the idea of the pride gym and the way it could work a location for it etc which is where I live um, and then from February 2018 fast forward nine months we'd gone through the planning application the funding uh, and opened the doors of the gym in from getting the keys I think we had a seven-week turnaround to fully decorate and kitting out. And 
you know, a background in project management helps in terms of planning that out. Yeah, I was going to say anybody that's built out a gym knows that seven weeks is an insane timeline <laughs> for this. Yeah, I spent I, I spent longer than seven weeks planning it. That's that's absolutely for certain. Yeah, uh, and you know, no no plan survives first contact. But I think the more planning you can do, the more sort of you can react better. I think is the way to say it. Um, you know, and I had I had my Gantt charts, I had my project plans. You know, I was a real nerd with it. I had my spreadsheets mm. and um, I planned it to the nth degree just to make sure yeah. that when we did get the keys, we could open in good time. And, you know, we got the keys in uh, October 18 and we were mm. managed to be open for the new year of 2019. So we were open 16th of December. So we're three days short of our fourth birthday this time of recording. Um, and, you know, it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really, but we're there. I can imagine. <laughs> so you opened at an interesting time in our industry, and uh, I, can, I can envision that that played a part, especially in the UK. Lockdowns in the UK were even more stringent than they were here in the States. Were you guys totally shut down during that time? Yeah, so we, um, it was March 2020, so we'd, just, we'd got just over a year of trading, um at the time of closing we had a full lockdown we we had to close the doors within sort of 24 hours and lock it up and mm. that was it really there's nothing else you could do there's a lot around um prosecution in terms of violating the laws and the things that are put in place yeah um and you know we had to sort of toe the line for a few months and then you come out of a lockdown um as you come out of the main national lockdown they introduce local lockdowns which is uh, at the sort of behest of a local council, they can say what can open and what can't. So we were uh, we were forced to close in our sort of local constituency, whereas there was a gym literally a mile down the road that could open because they had a different council. Uh, of it was course. It was absolutely of course. Somewhat arbitrary, sure. Yeah, yeah. So we fought tooth and nail on that one, on that side of it because of the, the uh, logic of it. And we managed to reopen. We even got. I even had a petition read out in Parliament, which is like, what's the what's the comparison Congress? Like Congress. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Houses yeah. of Parliament. I had a petition. A one a one person signed petition by me, read out in Parliament to Matt Hancock, who was the Health Secretary. And we managed to get that overturned. Um, and then fast forward, we had another lockdown in November. I think it went from the March from March twenty to fast forward a year. Out of that year, we had. Uh, around nine months closed mm. and then the so really two two oh, yeah. chapters of the pride gym right pre-pandemic and post-pandemic yeah when was it that you were actually able to operate with normalcy no restrictions uh it was probably around about mid 21 when things like social distancing uh guidelines and recommendations were eased yeah um got it yeah yeah. So 18-ish months of at least operating a gym how we would like to operate it. Mm. Tell me about that time. I, I'm sure that everyone here is sick of talking about COVID. It's so far beyond our control that we can't do anything about it. And so since that time, at least, Terry, philosophy with me for a moment. What's been your favorite part about operating this business and what's been the hardest part about operating that business since you've been able to reopen? Uh, so the favorite thing for me has been taking risks. I think I've always taken risks in life, always calculated at that. You know, um, I left the military without a job or a profession, pretty much I could go into, but I made it mm -hmm. work. 
I've always moved on from jobs or employment and made it work. And I've sort of made my mind up before I had a planning place sometimes. And, you know, the gym was the biggest risk we ever took. Um, and it came off and then obviously COVID happened. And then what we did during COVID is instead of trying to regress, we tried to see how we could grow out of it. Um, so we actually invested, we borrowed more, we took a risk and we invested yeah. in the gym and expanded and it worked. And then we just kind of kept, kept sort of rinsing and repeating that. And it's probably the most enjoyable thing has been taking a risk and seeing it work at the same time. It's a little stressful <laughs> to, make it, to make it work. So they kind of go uh, hand in hand, yeah. I suppose. Um, and not all of those bets always work out, but we have no, a decent it, track record so far, at least. Yeah, it, what get, it was what gets you up in the morning as well, I think. And, um, you know, make uh, the pressure, I think I enjoy, also enjoy the pressure of when I'm in, when you're in a normal employment and you sort of reporting to a superior you kind of have that pressure where you sort of make them happy and tick boxes. Whereas when you're that person self-sufficiently doing that, it's a lot different and it's a totally different dynamic. And I, I really enjoy that side of it as well. But again, it brings on self-induced stress. <laughs> so. I, yeah. So there's, there's plenty for us to dig into here, but I want to explore the acquisition side of things. Most of the people that listen to this podcast and most of our industry is, yeah. is simply looking for ways to either rebuild their membership post-COVID or build it for the first time for relatively newer businesses. But for you, at least recently in the UK, what's worked well for you on the marketing front to get some people in and, and maybe what hasn't worked so well for you? Uh, so, so what's worked well for us has been um, pivoting the business, I like if you like. So we've maintained a level of quality and superiority in that in terms of our rivals, whereby we provide the best kit, we always reinvest, we make sure it's new. Everything, the, the gym gets cleaned front to back twice a day. Even if it's not clean, it's cleaned. I want to try and make it, you know, I'm big on the staff being proactive rather than reactive when it comes to that as well. So maintaining those standards is kind of, embedded the foundation of the reputation we've got which then get leads to referrals and stuff like that so make, make sure you get the basics right the offering the quality and the experience they're the main things we make sure we get to know everyone's name as they come in i want to i want staff to say hello so everyone comes in by their first name i want to say bye and make sure they have a good day as well so they're they're key little things and you'd be surprised about the amount of members that um sort of mention that like they love that that happens as well you know, there's always needs to be a face to gym. We're always staffed. Um, you know, we don't want really want to go to an unstaffed model or a 24 hours booth scanning in, scanning out. It just feels yeah. impersonal and a bit cold for me. Um, so they're the things that have really worked for us in terms of um, retention, but also referrals and getting people in. And in yeah. terms of the service offering, um, we brought in group PT um, after COVID. Okay. The, Sort of female-only transformation programs, if you like, six weeks, um, set cost, and you get everything that you get from online coaching, but also you get sort of female-only PT um, in groups of anywhere between five and fifteen. Um, and then we've also brought in a small group PT for ladies over fifty, um, which has been immensely, immensely popular as well, and that's sold out in no time. And they've all bought an annual membership on it, so but that's good because they're more focused on health, mobility, well-being, um, longevity as well so obviously the yeah. training is a lot different to focus on that but they like it because they're in the, they're in a peer group of over 50 ladies 
Yeah, it's a, it's a specialty offering, right? It's yeah, exactly. a little we're bit more geared towards them. Yeah, we're doing a semi-private area uh, whereby, you know, they don't have to listen to the dance music in the gym. We get a bit of Elvis on and they just, yeah, they love it. <laughs> yeah. And so we've got different offerings from a lead generation standpoint. It sounds like a lot of this has flowed organically, word of mouth, referrals, whatever we want to term that as. Have you guys put any kind of money into formally advertising this or has it just flowed as it flowed? Yeah, we've we've put a lot into. Be honest, we um, we use a no, we use a marketing agency. Uh, we also um, they sort of work a lot of our group PT in terms of creating an ad, right, a right. Funnel, a, a creating an ad, a funnel, uh, marketing on the back of that, and in terms of email and text messaging. Uh, and we also work with. Uh, I've also got a business mentor. I think that's important for a lot of people to have a business mentor. I have a business mentor, and as part of that, we get a CRM, and in that CRM. All those people from ads are pulled in to the CRM and then we've got them as a contact. So we've now got a contact bank that we can then uh, message and sort of, you know, warm up and make sure they sort of always come back as well. So, yeah, I think the big thing I've worked on in the past year personally has been process around that mm. efficiency. So, you know, we could be asleep at night, somebody could apply for a program and in that meantime they're getting messaging text messages setting up for a call and start that process yeah yeah exactly warming that lead right up to the point of getting them on a call for sales for example. yeah uh, that's the group pick up the process from there terry i think i speak to a lot of organizations that have agencies and agencies work tremendously for what they're designed to do and they're designed to get us leads yeah. but we need to still get the ball home from there we still well, need to, yeah. to carry from on from there and so we get a lead hypothetically, whatever source, right? Facebook, Instagram, Google, wherever they're coming from. Walk me through that process for this person to actually sign up. And what do they sign up for after that? Yeah. So once they see an ad on Facebook, which would be me stood on a local landmark, usually just shouting at a camera saying, we need 15 ladies or, you know, do you feel like this, whatever. And then they click on that, they go to a click funnel, they fill out the click funnel, um, sort of basic details and they do an application. So then straight away, we've got a difference between a lead and a hot lead in terms of have they done, have they just filled in their basic details? Have they completed an application? So we're starting that triage straight away on the lead. When they then come in, uh, we then pull them from active campaign using Zapier over to our CRM. This might be going over a lot of people's heads. I know. No, this is, this is tremendous. Continue. Yeah. yeah. So that, so that lead goes into active campaign and Zapier pulls that from there, puts it in our CRM. They then get an automated text message from one of us saying, hi, I've just seen an application come through. And whether depending on the time of the day, it could be, I know it's an odd hour because they might do it at one o'clock in the morning. I was just on my laptop. I saw the application come through. Is there a good time to call between eight and five on Monday to Friday? And then similarly, a same text message depending on the time of the day, just saying, are you free for a call anytime soon? And again, then that starts the triage of, they go then from sort of being like a warm lead of the application to a hot lead because if they reply to that text message, they're ready. They're yeah. ready. Yeah, you know, they're really, they're primed. So straight away, we've got, just from somebody clicking on that advert within sort of five minutes, we've got three tiers of lead, basically, from there. Yep. And that's over to us, basically. So the process has kind of done its job. We then we then have to go through that, get pick up the phone, get them on a call, and just chat through it, really. And that then starts the sales process in times of, in, sorry, in terms of, prodding those pay, pain points a little bit, not just going straight into what we offer and cost, you know, why do they want to do it? Are they a good fit for the program? Sort of 
nurture that um, yearn that they need for the program because they wouldn't have applied for it otherwise. You know, if somebody says, "I feel I just I just I feel over you know I'm overweight," the thing they've been overweight for a long time. It's not just happened overnight. Yeah. How is that making them feel? That's the main reason they've applied because there's something that that's causing, and that's what we try and bring out on the sales calls. Uh, and then obviously this is on the phone. Correct. This is on the phone. This is on the phone. Yeah, okay. having a chat with them. Yeah, you know, making sure we're using empathy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, that's what we do there, um, and then hopefully close the call or close the sale on the call if we can. If we don't, then we just do follow ups and make sure we sort of develop that lead. And then in terms of where they are in the CRM, then we've got workflows for messaging, email campaigns, etc., etc., etc. And we can just manage that lead as it goes. Yeah, and so you mentioned a big focus for you post-COVID has been building out these processes. In that, and, and we're trying to increase efficiency at every step of the way, is there still room for improvement here or are we pretty happy with where this process is at so far? Yeah, I think there's always room for improvement. I think one of the main things for us is uh, time to get on call. Um, you know, We've still got a business to run at the end of the day. There's classes to teach. I've got kids to get to school and back. I've got two dogs to feed. Getting on, you know, getting on a call sometimes, uh, that can be a challenge. And speed of getting on a call as well. Um, I see. We've tried to... Yeah, some, a lot of this is automated, but at a certain point, we do need that manual phone call to actually yeah, happen, the, right? Yeah. The, the critical factor is a manual picking up the phone and, and doing yeah. that call, right? So, um yeah, so that's one of the main challenges for us at the minute. I tried to delegate, we have, we have delegated um, a lot of that tasks in terms of sales, and that's worked, you know, to a certain degree. Um, but I always think sometimes, you know, nobody can sell something like the person really wants it to be sold, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, the people delegating have helped out massively as well. So I think that's, a, that's another key thing is making sure we delegate. And that's, that's a conflict me and my wife have quite a lot because I'm happy to delegate and she's, she loves delegating. Hmm. It's nothing yeah. I find that uh, gym owners especially typically have a, a hard time handing off responsibility. Nobody's going to care about your business as much as you care about your business. But on the flip side of that, if we have our hands in every single process, it's going to be limited. Like you said, we can only do so much within a day. We have all of these other things pulling at our attention. Yeah. And so there's a trade-off. There's pros and cons, and I'm not saying that there's a one-size-fits-all for every business. I think that's incredibly up to the, the business owner and what makes sense for them, but something to at least be aware of. Now, because you guys have multiple levels of service, are we having that conversation on that initial phone call, or do we try to get them in on a membership and then talk about ascension or upsells? at a later point uh we usually just try and get them in straight away on the group pt as that's what kind of what we've applied for um and then but the good thing about having a gym membership model is we've got that as a fallback as well we can downsell yeah 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 so if you know if cost is a is a is a blocking factor and a genuine factor then that's fine um we've always got the gym membership to try and persuade them and then again you, you've got the chance to warm them back up again once they come in the gym and see people doing it and right. see it happening um we're working a lot on making it a lot more visual for people as well. So like in the gym now, we've got a transformation wall. We're showing the befores and afters. And that's working well for people to see that, you know, these are genuine results that people do get. Uh, you With a bit of accountability and motivation and guidance, mm -hmm. you know, you can achieve it's quite possible. a lot. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, I think if I'm to summarize what I'm hearing in a nutshell for people listening to this, it's not major overhauls at any step along the way. We're tinkering, we're tweaking, we're trying to improve little, 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 little at a time. But that 1% here, that 1% there makes a big difference in the end. For you, Terry, as you kind of zoom out on this, like we said, we've been doing this for a handful of years now. What's your focus here moving forward? Where do you see the future of the Pride Gym in the next three or four years? So I think in the next, in the immediate future, for the next sort of 12 to 18 months, one of our main thing is just consolidating our position. I think I need to be realistic in terms of sometimes you can try and grow too fast. And uh, we've grown a lot. Uh-huh. You know, we've gone from like 5,000 square foot to 11,500 square foot. So as a physical large growth, with that's obviously come the risks we've taken in terms of borrowing and finance. And, you know, we need to make sure we're paying that and we, we keep paying that. So that's the, that's the main sort of thrust of the next sort of 12 to 18 months is just consolidating our position, making sure we're nice and secure, try to be sensible with it, try to rein me in in terms of, in terms of where we want to be and what we want to do. Uh, and then going from there is opening more locations really. And how that looks, I change my mind daily, whether that's the same thing we've got now in terms of a sort of a mixed service model or whether it's just a group PT. I, you know, I, I flip from one to the other. I, I, I personally... I much more enjoy the uh, gym side in terms of loads of people coming through, loads of people to meet, loads of people to see, loads of, loads of sexy kit that I can play on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the sexy side for a gym owner, but in reality, the more profitable side by a long stretch in terms of outlay and cost is group PT. Um, yeah. We need both. We need a balance of both. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, this is a business and money in versus money out really, really matters. But the more money we make coming in, the more we can reinvest in, in new equipment, different facility upgrades, all of these different things. And so typically the businesses that I talk to that have a healthy balance of both of those find the most long-term success, right? The more we get towards one end of the spectrum or the other, sometimes we paint ourselves into a corner and we can't pivot out you guys set yourself up for success from the beginning by having different offerings and different service options for people. Now, one final question for you, Terry, is as we start to kind of wrap this up in the the pursuit of this, we're talking potentially multiple locations or, or potentially growth while keeping in mind that we want to keep it controlled. And like you said, not grow too fast. What do you see as, as potential hurdles or potential challenges as you guys move forward? What could be some roadblocks for you? So one thing that's going on in the UK right now is uh, calling the cost of living crisis. So, you know, inflation's at, you know, a recent high. You know, we're, we're up around the 9 10%. Uh, it's far outstripping wages and the cost of basic items is outgrowing the cost of wages going up. So we are in a sort of a, a cost of living crisis where, you know, fuel's high, heating costs are astronomical, gas costs are astronomical. And I think um, that is true. The other thing I also think is that more, more people still have money 
but they are, in their minds they've got less money because they're being told repeatedly that they don't. So that's one block we, we do see quite a lot. So when we're on a sales call, for example, people are like, oh, you know, the cost of living stuff. And then when you sort of break it down, they're not really suffering that much. They're just made to feel like they are. And that's kind, that's kind of just going to be a block in terms of making new sales, especially for high-ticket items, uh, things like your group PT and your sort of package model. Whereas um, even still for the normal gym memberships, which are relatively low cost for what people pay out on other stuff, you know, you're talking a pound a day or a dollar, dollar a day, um, <laughs> people still think that, you know, we're an expense. We're an expense that can be dropped. Basically, is what I'm trying to get. And um, the more that goes on, especially here in the UK, the more that's going to happen. We've not really felt the pinch much. Just more in terms of the conversion for sales on a group PT has dropped because of that. Is basically it. We had, we'd had yeah. an opportunity out. COVID gave an opportunity where people got unhealthy and people put weight on because they didn't do anything. The weather was nice. They had barbecues and they had a glass of wine every night. Whereas the cost of living crisis is the opposite of that. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's peaks and troughs. The, the, the one thing I do say that keeps me happy is it can never get as bad as COVID. That's a good good point here. At least we're able to operate. We have circumstances that are beyond our control. You don't have control of the economy. We don't have control of the politics of it but at least we can operate our business and, and play the game that we love to yeah. play. And I think we're trying to work a lot and we're planning things out to make things easier for people to sort of understand in terms of where, where people see health and fitness on their hierarchy of needs, I think sometimes can be too low. And I think we're just we're going to try and do a lot of work on just that messaging about, yeah. you need to put this higher, you know, you need to put this higher. Um, what you spend on coffee, what you spend on takeaways, what you spend on fast food. If you totted that up for a month, you know, you probably have three gym memberships to a lot of people. So it's just about that messaging and that, uh, you know, what it is on that. At the end of the day, it comes back to uh, a marketing challenge and an education challenge of of an entire society, not just the people that we work with. So a fight that we'll continue to fight. Terry, that's a great place for us to wrap our conversation up, but in the short bit of time that we have left, why don't you tell our listeners where they can learn about the Pride Gym? What's the best website? What's the best social media? Yeah, so um, Instagram and Facebook, we're just at the Pride Gym, one word. Um, We're also recently on TikTok, which blows my mind because I hate it. Um, I can't stand it. And then our website (laughs) is also thepridegym.com. Um, yeah, you can find us all on there. And uh, be great to have some uh, new people follow. Yeah, sometimes we have to do things that we don't tremendously like too much, but TikTok certainly one of those. Connect with Terry and the Pride Gym family on those platforms. Terry, this has been awesome, man. I really, really appreciate your willingness to to kind of give a look behind the scenes as to how this business truly operates. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you, and hopefully this this economy situation wraps itself up here soon, but. For now, I wish you nothing but the best moving forward, my man. Thank you very much. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. 
But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Boards Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is Chris McArthur from CrossFit Speyside. He is located in Scotland. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Awesome. I'm excited to have you on. Um, but before we dive into the business, how you run it, first, tell us a little bit about what made you want to take over this gym in the first place. How'd you get started in the industry? Um, it's kind of a long story. Um, I was, I was always kind of fit and active when I was young, um, mm-hmm. but like just, just messing around. I've yeah. got ADHD. Um, so I was always getting messed up with things, bikes and skateboards and stuff like that. And then um, as work took over, you know, you start to put these things aside, you know, you can't get injured. And um, I started to get really unfit and really unhealthy. And it was just on this like negative spiral towards work. And I decided to turn my life around and get into fitness. Um, Got into fitness um, just very mildly. Started working in a gym and, you know, slowly picked things up and then, you know, got into CrossFit. It um, It was shown to me. Um, and then it was like, um, it just kind of spiraled from there. I was just like sucked in and I just loved the whole, the whole like aspect of CrossFit and the whole like ethos of it all was just amazing. And it just kind of like grew from there for me. Um, taking on a gym was something that I decided when I was like working in a gym, I'd like seen people and like dealing with the customers and dealing with their needs and stuff like that. It was like, it was really obvious that there was there was things that people just weren't getting. Um, and I noticed that a lot of gym owners were using it as like a, like a, just like an income, you know, this massive amount of cash that they could just get from people because people need fitness, you know, for their own reasons, you know, mental health, well-being, and just, just changing their body, you know? Um, so people need it. So people, you know, there are a lot of gym owners were just using it as this massive amount of cash income. Whereas I was thinking, you know, how can I give back to, you know, the fitness industry, how can I give back to people who have helped me? And that was like, my whole thing was, right, I'm going to open a gym where everything's about community and giving back. And, you know, it's going to take a long time. Um, And I wanted it to be a passion project and a hobby rather than, you know, just a a money-making thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, Give us like kind of the rundown of CrossFit Speyside. How do you describe it to someone who's never been in before? Kind of like an elevator pitch of the gym. So we, we, in, in CrossFit, we've got like a funny term, we call it adult PE. Um, so like PE, I don't know if you just have it in America, but PE yeah. is physical, physical education. Yeah, yeah. So we call it adult PE. Um, okay. But it's, the, the, the makeup of the gym is more, you would more look at it as like a family environment. Um, you want to come in and you want to feel welcome. Um, when we run the classes, um, I always say to people, I'm, I, I, I present myself as, less professional and more inappropriate because we're just chatting as if we're just friends. Um, Although I'm standing at front coaching the class, I'm still involved with people. You know, I want to know what's going on with their lives and I want them to be involved with me as well. It's, you know, it's a two way thing so they can come at me and we have a little bit of jokes with each other and stuff like that. So it's, it's a much calmer and relaxed environment. You know, I'm not a drill sergeant. Um, And it's, 
it's just about being fitter and healthier um, for life. Um, we want to make, we call it functional fitness. So we want to make people more functioning in life um, because you only get old because you stop moving. So we want to bring into things where it just keeps people moving. And yes, you can have, you know, the top athletes of CrossFit. And then you've got the community gyms down here, you know, like it's, we're all involved in it together and we're, we're, we're battling our own things. You know, whether you're coming to the gym to lose weight, to battle some mental health issues, or just to get out of the house, you know, just to be involved with other people or grow your social circle. It's a space that you can do that. You know, you can get fit, you can get healthy, you know, you can gain muscle, you can, you know, you can get PBs, you can push your marathon PBs, you know, whatever you want all within the one thing and still have that social community aspect within this little like family knit community thing that we've got, so. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of people have like a misconception that fitness is just to change your body. And it's really about, you know, mental health, making connections with people, you know, feeling strong um, and there's a lot more to it. So I love that you recognize that and promote that within the gym. That's really cool. Um, but you have a little bit of a unique scenario to um, other people who have been on the podcast. You've owned CrossFit Speyside for about a month. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah, awesome. that's correct. Tell but, us about how... Um, Go ahead. What was that? I was going to say, tell us about the transition. Like, how has it been taking over um, an established gym and turning it into, you know, what you envision? So, it... It's, it's a bit of a weird one. Um, I've been telling all my friends and I've been telling other gym owners that I've got, I know, like I've got friends that own gyms, uh, CrossFit gyms. Um, and I've been telling them for about four years that I've been doing this and I've been wanting to open a gym and I looked at loads of different venues and stuff and it just problems with the council, you know, problems with applications and stuff and building regulations and stuff. I just, I just kept getting knocked back. Um, but I'm pretty determined once I've got an idea in my head you know, that's, that's me. I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. And I got, got into some, basically just some dark times over the last year, you know, things just took a dive and I was like struggling with a lot of stuff and it just felt like it was never going to happen. And, um, there was a, a strength and conditioning gym in the area and, um, for whatever reason, it just hadn't come up on my social media, hadn't come up on my radar or anything like that. And unfortunately I hadn't, seen it to reach out or I would have reached out and you know tried to to build something with the owner because I've done that before you know reaching out to people who have got gyms and saying you know look I want to open a CrossFit gym I'm only wanting to run specific times can I work in with what you're already doing you know um and it's just seeing if that's possible um and I got a message from like through a friend of a friend that I'd actually coached before at a previous CrossFit gym. And they said, oh, um, are you still looking to buy a gym? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they put me in contact with the, the owner that was looking to sell. And I can't remember exactly, but the way I'm going to tell it is that I, I basically turned up and said, I'm going to buy your gym. You know, if you're selling it, I'm buying it basically. And then we just had to, just had to iron out the details. And it was kind of like, because I've been saying I've been doing it for so long, for me, it was just, it was so easy because I was, I was already doing it, you know, like for four years, I've been a gym owner in my head. So the whole process was like, okay, now I just need to put all these ideas and all these thoughts and everything that I've put in place. Actually, I need to press the go button. So it was kind of, it was a really weird situation to have already convinced myself that I was a gym owner yeah. years ago, yeah. but just get 
to that point just takes just took so long for me and then it all just came about like so quickly and we we, we brought it in kind of slowly um with it was like four weeks before maybe five um because you got to pay your affiliation fees to crossfit so i went out and paid my affiliation fees and then we just started with kind of people i knew that were interested in crossfit and we just kind of said look i'm running a crossfit gym at this location um and you know we're going to be opening a gym in the future you know come along and then word of mouth just spread people started messaging me and it started to build from there and then on the 28th of november was the official kind of handover and that was it kind of all mine and all go from the 28th so it's it it, it is a totally weird one and i'm not i still don't think it's settled in like i've done a lot of work like I was demolishing an office space. It was here, that, like where I'm sitting just now used to be an office space. It was like, there was like a wall around here. So I had to refloor it and I took it all down myself and everything. And it was just, I thought that that was going to be the final step where I thought, yeah, this is, this is it. It's going to sink in, but still hasn't, you know what I mean? It's still not sunk in that it's, it's mine and I'm the only one responsible for it kind of thing. Yeah. That's definitely like the shock of like entrepreneurship. Like you can you have that idea in your mind and you're set on it. And then once it actually gets there, it's like, oh, wow, now I have it. But it does take a while, while for it to sink in. Um, but one thing that you said that stood out to me that you said there was kind of how you didn't know that this gym was even around before you took, took it over. So it sounds like there's yeah. maybe like a lack in like marketing there. What's your plan to kind of turn that around and get the word out that, that you're there and you're located there? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't plan on doing a huge amount um, because it's family and community is a big thing for me. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be out. Like I have done a little bit of like local community advertising. You know, we've got like Facebook pages um, just to let people know it's there and more than, more than kind of like trying to scrape people in the doors and stuff like that. It's just kind of letting people, you know, you look, I'm here, you know, if you're looking for something, come along, chat to me um, and we'll see if we can, you know, fit you in. Um, because it's not for everybody you know what i do is crossfit you know everything i do is crossfit and it isn't for everybody you know people do have their own ideas of like strength and conditioning and bodybuilding and it, like i'm i'm happy with that you know what i mean if somebody wants to use my gym when i'm not using it in a crossfit gym then go ahead as long as you're moving your body and you're 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 doing something for yourself i'll happily support that and i've said to lots of people you know if you've got ideas if you've got people you know you know come out and reach to me because I'm always open to these things because that was one thing that I don't know whether people were worried about me or it was kind of like apprehensive about me but I was going out to a lot of people and saying look you know I'm, I'm going to make this happen you know how do we you know can I help your business you know can I help you grow as a business by bringing something else in and bringing my community of people in your community of people and growing it that way um but I'm a like I'm, I'm a really easygoing kind of person and I'll take on any ideas that people are willing to give, you know, it's a community space and I wanted to keep that and not lose it. Um, so it's, it's not really about like getting out there and marketing because I do, I do posts on social media, you know, I advertise what I'm doing and I will post, like I said, on the local Facebook pages, but it's, it's more just to highlight to people that there's somewhere that they can use and to highlight CrossFit it's not a hugely well-known thing here. Um, and like in the States, it's huge, you know, like there's so much being done in the communities around CrossFit in, in the States. And like, I love that, you know, when I see it all happening and I want to bring that to, to the UK and to Scotland and it's becoming big in the UK, but it's still a bit kind of like, 
you know, there's, there's few people call it like cults, you know, they say that it's the CrossFit cult and it does look a bit culting from the outside, you know, you, you know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, what are these people doing? But once you get involved, it's like, it's like a big family circle, you know, we're just in here trying to help each other rather than like kind of alienate people. You know, we're just a, we're a close knit community. So it kind of looks like we're not bringing people in, but. Yeah. I think there can be a misconception out there that that CrossFit's for a certain type of person or it's only for athletes, but really it's for everyone. And it's, it's a place where, you know, you can make friendships and just encourage each other um, to be healthy and fit. And I, that's really all it is. Um, but tell us. I about say people, go ahead. I would say to people like when you look at CrossFit online and you look at like the social media posts and stuff like that, if you don't look at actual like CrossFit main site, um, obviously you see these massive athletes, you know, the high performers and stuff like that. That's not really what goes on in the gym. Do you know, like on, on Saturday, just there, um, I've got two, two customers that come along and, you know, I give them different names sometimes. Um, the, the first name I gave them was the, the, I can't squat club. Cause the first, every time they come into class, they see the class beforehand and their first words are, I can't do that. And by the end of it, I get them doing some sort of modified version of it so that they, they're doing the movements, you know? And that's the thing, like CrossFit in a local community box isn't what we see on TV. You know, we're doing similar things, but we're not out there, you know, having these massive competitions and achieving these massive things that the, the athletes are achieving, but we're still involved. You know, CrossFit runs an international competition where you can be on the leaderboard with your idols in CrossFit. You know, the idols are sitting there at like the top positions and here's you, you know, the average CrossFitter still on the same leaderboard. So we're still involved, but the community aspect of it is, is, is a huge thing. It's totally different. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that's totally a misconception that's out there. People see the athletes and don't realize, you know, it can also be just functional fitness for everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, let's switch gears here. Tell me like big picture, you know, you've been open for like a month. Where do you see the gym in a year from now? Where would you like to see, you know, the member base or the services that you offer? What's like the longer term goal there? So um, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a really big like help to the community that's the thing for me um it's it's providing more for the community it's giving back more than than i can take in you know um i get i was asked the question about other than a successful business what do i want to build and i found it like i found it almost like jarring because my goal isn't necessarily to build a successful business is to build a successful community rather than a business. Um, I, I can, I, I structured the, the fees and everything like that around keeping the lights on and paying the bills. So I reduced all the memberships to basically the lowest I could. I did all my calculations to say, okay, look, if I have this many people in, how much do I have to charge to keep the lights on? And I reduced it down to as low as I could so that I'm given more back because with the cost and rise, everything's rising, everything's becoming more expensive, but fitness and well-being should be the most important thing. So my main focus was to to provide more people. So it's, it's I would like to I would like to have a really good community here. I'd like to have a really good family here within a year. Um, and as long as I'm open, as long as the lights are, you know, as long as the lights are on and the bills are paid, I'm happy. It's a it's a hobby, it's an investment. Like 
for my own well-being and my own sort of social network and community rather than you know a profit building thing um and i've always said when the profits come in fingers crossed that all the all the fees will be getting reduced or you know the equipment starts getting renewed or we start looking at we do round tables with the gym members instead of me making all the decisions i'll be sitting down with all the members and saying look this is what happened you know i'm like i said i'm an open book so i'll quite happily share the the income and the revenue and stuff like that details with the members and say look this is what's happening you know what do we do with this how do you want to how do you want to go forward from this because like i said it's a it's a community gym rather than 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 just me trying to make profit off of it i have other jobs that i do outside of this um and that's kind of my you know like i said it's like my hobby you know it's it's something over and above that i just absolutely love and enjoy so coming here just it's just so great for me and my own well-being and my own mental health that i just wanted to i wanted to stay here rather than think about oh i'm gonna open another gym or i'm gonna you know monopolize or anything like i, I don't have any of those sort of ideas i just want to build up you know a better community gym for people yeah i love that i totally agree um and i agree that it doesn't like have to be for money like you don't have to be you know looking to be the most profitable gym but would you agree that you know the more people you help the more money or the more profit the business has the more you're able to give back to the community yeah that's that that's like what i was saying so i've got these huge goals of um doing like doing memberships where you would either do like a pay it forward membership mm -hmm. so say you had 30 30 members um you could provide you know if each member paid an extra pound or your your income is so great I would actually start saying, look, instead of reducing your memberships, why don't I offer a lower income membership for people who are on lower incomes, you know, people who are maybe single families, stuff like that, you know, that can't afford to have those kind of outgoings. Would you rather take the profits that I've got and put that into the community and building, you know, better fitness and well-being for other people? Do I look at providing more out with the gym, with the profits? That's the kind of thing that I'm in here for doing. And it's like, taking anything to the cost to my members to how do we make this better for everybody rather than just you know us as a, a little cult and a little family <laughs> you know it, it, it's what more can i can i give back and that's where it is it's i've always had the you know how can i how can i get fitness and well-being to people that you know necessarily wouldn't have had that opportunity before and obviously when you've got paying members you know when they get to a certain point if you know Fingers crossed, like I said, you know, the profits are coming in. It's that's where the first thing goes. It's like, how do I give back? Um, because it's a hobby and investment. Like it's not a it's an a personal investment for me and a hobby. So anything over and above is going back to what can I do for other people? Um, it's not about paying me back for anything that I've invested in it. It's not about paying me back for my time or anything like that. There's no there's no value to that for me. It's all about what else can I do for other people. I love that. Where do you think that comes from? That spirit that you have to to give back to people and and to make people feel included in your community. That's a bit of a deep one. Um, <laughs> probably from just not having it. Um, growing up, like I was, 
I was I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say we were poor, but we weren't like ridiculously well off and stuff like that. And it was just like it was just things that I always wanted to do and things that, you know you just couldn't do as kids. You know your parents have got to provide certain amounts for you. And I deal I, I have a day job where I deal with um, people on the other end of the scale who you know are really struggling and struggling to make ends meet and you know seeing that day in day out is a huge thing for me as well. And that's why I got into that day job was to try and help people. Um, I want to try and make changes to people's lives to try and help them um, and try and show people that, you know, we can all do a lot more. Like it's, you know, it's not just me. Like I didn't, I didn't stumble across the money to buy the gym. You know, it took me a long time to, to get the money and I bought houses and then sold houses. And like, I didn't get it from anyone other than, you know, like it was myself and wife, my, my wife that were working and bought houses, you know, it didn't come from anybody else. And it's just, we can all give back. We can all take something that we have and give back to people who don't. It doesn't matter whether it's something really small or it's something really big. And I've been, I've been really lucky with the opportunities I've had. So I, I will do as much as I can to try and give that to people. And I'm, like I said, like I said to you, I'm, I'm happy to tell people what the gym makes you know i'm happy to show people what profits and revenues and stuff are coming in because i don't see the point in hiding it you know there's no reason to hide it because people will see you know the amount of members that are coming in so show them what it is and if you're struggling like if i'm struggling as a business you know the last thing people want to hear is is me complaining about it and saying oh you know it's really difficult whereas if you just show them you know look times are tough you know you can show them and it's quite like it's just really obvious to people. And then it, it kind of puts it back on to people that you're not just moaning about money. You know, you're actually trying to show them that you're providing something from them for them rather than just, I want your money kind of thing. Um, and that's, that's just how I am with everything. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm a very open book. If some, somebody could come to me and say, you know, I need help with this and I will try everything I can to try and help them with that, you know, and there's some things, you know, it's really difficult when you can't, the kind of person I am you know when you get to that kind of point and you can't help someone it's a real difficult thing for me so I originally wanted to set up a, a non-profit uh, CrossFit gym um, but just the the ins and outs of that are like it's just so difficult to try and get going it's it's something that I could look at in the future on the back of a you know on the back of a profitable CrossFit gym you can take what you've got and put that into like a non-profit charitable CrossFit gym, but trying to set it, I tried, I looked at setting it up from, from scratch and you just, you don't have the, you don't have the network. You don't have the community of people who are already doing it. So there isn't the word getting spread out. So that's, that's another thing that's always in the pipeline. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that um, with our listeners. I think that's amazing. The spirit that you have to give back um, and the amount that you care about your community is amazing as well. I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap things up here. What would be your biggest piece of advice to someone who wants to start their own gym? Something um, you wish you would have known a few months ago. A few months ago. It's really difficult. Like the only advice I could probably give people is just do it. Like if, if you, if you believe in something and if you really want it, and it is everything to you, don't wait. Like I should have done this years ago. I should have just 
gone on with things, you know, circumstances change. And, you know, the one thing that I've had experience with in my whole life is your, your whole life can change like in seconds and you don't really know what's around the corner and you don't know what's coming next. So if you have a passion and you have a drive and you have this huge want to do something, do it now. Like don't, don't wait around because things get tough, you know, times get dark and stuff like that. And you want to just go out there and enjoy it while you can. And that, that that's kind of like the only thing opening a gym. Like I haven't really come across anything that I would say, Oh, you know, I would have done this differently because I'm still so new. Like I'm still kind of hovering around in that area where I don't even feel like it's still mine. I'm, I feel like I'm still working for somebody else. I feel like the person inside my head telling me to do the gym stuff is somebody else. And I'm still here just doing their job for them. You know, I turn up and I run the classes and then I'm like, oh yeah, I need to knock some walls down or oh yeah, I need to fix the lights. And it's those kind of things. I feel like I'm just doing them for somebody else. So I, I don't think I have like any sort of really good business sort of things. Um, but using, using software and using packages, um, using people who are there, you know, that already have that field of knowledge, you know, um, I called on a couple of friends who've got gyms, uh, like I've been messaging them for years and chatting to them and stuff like that, but using systems, you know, there's, there's programs out there to help you with your gym, you know, and like things like, even like an accountant, you know, if you can afford to have these things from the beginning, do it because it, it helps you with your passion and it helps you focus like because I can focus on what I really want to do which is a CrossFit and I can focus on my customers rather than thinking oh my god I'm you know I've got I've got money coming in and this I've got to sort this and I've got to put it into this bank account and I've got to buy this stuff and you know if there's people out there who can help you use them and that that, that that's probably the only business advice I could give you know if you can afford to get help from professional systems and businesses use them Absolutely. I totally agree. I feel like I would be nowhere without the mentorship and marketing and networking that I did, you know, yeah. learning from people who have done it before, you know, you can fail and fail and fail and learn, or you can, you know, go to someone who's done it before and get straight to the answer. So I think that's really good advice yeah. definitely for entrepreneurs. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for all of your time and your insight today. Um, before we sign out, tell us where can we find you? What's your Facebook that you mentioned, your website, where can we find you? So it's CrossFit Speyside on Facebook, uh, CrossFit Speyside on Instagram. Um, we're very easy to find. Uh, it's not any kind of, kind of challenging names. Um, but yeah, if you go on, I'll happily respond to gym owners, people that are thinking about it, possible people who are even just interested in opening a gym. I am quite happy to sit and speak through people. And even if you just had an interest in CrossFit or you're interested in some of the things that I've spoken about or anything like that, like just reach out and send me a message. I'll happily converse with anybody, but yeah, just go on and have a look and uh, you'll get to see all my members and uh, see them having fun. Yes, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chris, again, for your time today. Um, to everyone who listened, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description and we'll be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. 
The Gym Words Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Robin from the Art of Boxing over in England. Welcome to the show, Robin. How are you today? Hi, Brookie. I'm really good. I'm really good. Thank you. Yourself? I'm wonderful. Thank you for taking the opportunity to be here with me to talk fitness business and hopefully give back to our fitness industry a little bit through this conversation. Um, Before we really dive into the art of boxing and what you guys do over there, give us a brief background. You know, what was it that led to you going and opening up this fitness business? So um, I come from a boxing background myself, um, ex-professional boxer. My last fight actually was three years ago, just sort of before COVID. But I um, started boxing um, quite young, 15, well, not quite young, but 15, and um, loved boxing, loved the game, had about 50-odd amateur fights, then turned pro, um, loved the pro game. Um, a lot of politics involved in that. And then I was working on a building site, working for family, doing some labouring, nothing real skillful. And then I started training people on the side, just accidentally. I think I was in the gym one day doing a class, and they said, oh, could you help out? And, then I, started, and I really enjoyed it. And before you know it, I was running the class and then, and then obviously training myself, but... You really learn stuff about yourself when it comes to boxing, when you start teaching boxing, because it goes, oh, that's what my coach said to me. Oh, it makes sense now. And before you know it, uh, I got into the coaching side of things and I really, really enjoyed it. And then started doing some private one-to-one sessions up different gyms and just slowly built myself like a um, clientele, really, um, family and friends, people in the gym come over to you. It was with boxing gyms are a little bit different. So most boxing gyms you go to, um, there's a few rings there. You've got pro fighters, amateur fighters, unlicensed fighters, keep fitters. And it's a lot of the keep fitters that you start with or people that sort of go and turn Tristan from amateur to pro that approach you. I can hit the pads of you bit of advice and then obviously I'm getting my advice from watching other coaches pro coaches and doing things myself my coach when I fight when I'm in a locker room you know, for the fights and stuff like that, you pick up things and before you know I started training people and that's how I got into it really it was it was just I wouldn't say by accident but um I really enjoyed it it was my fault when they said oh can anyone do the class years ago I said oh, I, I know boxing I don't run the class so it's, I enjoyed doing it you know it's just been a passion of mine ever since yeah. So this passion ultimately led you to being a business owner in this yes. industry and you own the art of boxing. So I guess what I want to have you do here, Robin, is give us your best elevator pitch. Tell us who you are, what services you guys provide over there. Paint a picture of your business for us. So the best pitch, if you want to learn to box the right way, um, 
without that fear of getting knocked out straight away or chucked into sparring. But the best place to come to, I'm, I'm, I'm about the technique side of things. In boxing, you need aggression, you, you need fitness, but you also need technique. I'm more about the technique side of things. Once you build up a level of technique, well, I do a lot of drills, and then we build the fitness in, and then you start losing weight, and then you start get parents sparring and preparing for a fight. We also do other classes as well, like fitness classes, which someone else runs for me. And like, she's amazing. And that's more for the fitness. That's more for the keep fitters. If you like boxing, like everything about boxing, you don't want to fight and compete. You can also do those classes as well. All our classes are for both, you know, but then if you tell me you want to fight, then I'll take you down a different avenue. We also do one-to-one training with people, a lot more pad work and stuff like that. Um, learning about the art the true art of boxing you know you get hit and not getting hit if that makes yeah, sense okay cool i love it now this sounds like anybody could take your class, anyone right anyone um so let me just ask you this if you had somebody come in they're like hey robin you know my goal is to lose 50 pounds is that somebody that you would be excited to work with yeah of course of course if if they're excited and and they want to learn you know sometimes one of the hardest things ever you you know you you sit there you, you you sort of like i have the program in my head what I'm doing with them and obviously you tell me this is what we're going to do today or the classes they're pre-laid out and they get working they have a good sweat out oh that's really hard good session and then you see a couple of hours later on Instagram they're eating a burger you know it's kind of like you know I'm excited they're excited they're going to put the hard work in they'll lose the weight it's like any any fitness you know if you're going to put the hard work in in and at the gym you will lose the weight and get results but um with boxing as well it's not just about Obviously, you do lose a lot of weight in boxing, definitely, and build up strength and muscle. But it's also uh, your mindset as well. It's definitely, how can I say this? It's like if you've got a lot of built-up aggression, um, you, you know, you get in a boxing gym, hit the bag, you know, you release all the endorphins, and then you can think afterwards. So if you've got anything going on in your personal life, I really think boxing does help, not just on a fitness level. You know, I know a lot of people stress that about you know, home life, work life, especially now with all the bills going up. Uh, people in their personal relationships, people since COVID not being talking to their friends and not really come out of the shell. Um, boxing helps on all different levels, not just in the fitness side of things, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, you know, especially yeah, on a no. personal level, especially myself oh. personally. If I am, if I, um, if, if I was at the whole COVID, lucky enough, I had my own gym, so I'll go to my own. And uh, if I wasn't hitting the bag and, and, and having a workout, I'd, I'd gone mad. I'd definitely oh, gone yeah. mad. I'm mad anyway, but, <laughs> you know. Fitness, health, like, people don't always realize that it's much more than just the physical transformation uh, that you go under when you're exercising. It, it yeah, is a course. mental thing, too. It's so, definitely, definitely. Um, mental health is Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us there. Now, you know, you, it sounds like you offer classes, right? Yes. Most of this takes place One. in a class format. Um, so talk to me about what the membership looks like. Is it kind of like one standard membership or are there different tiers to the memberships you offer? So currently at the moment, we just have one adult membership, which um, they pay a fee. They get all the classes included, all the adult classes included, and they can come down, hit the bags on days that we haven't got classes on. And obviously they're doing one-to-one training. It's a little bit cheaper as well. So they was to book a one-to-one session, um, and they're, and they're non-member, it's one price. And if they're a member, it's, it's a bit cheaper. So we do a lot of one-to-one training with people. But like a lot of the young, like with the 
we have so next year we're changing the way we work then in the gym um we're gonna have kids membership which they pay because we have a lot of trouble with like parents not to bring their kids and people not turning up so we're just train changing our format which is going to benefit us in the long run and them and um but with some of the lads now that come down the younger lads as well they pop that wednesday today um in the U uk sort of like two o'clock yeah. by about four or five o'clock the younger lads will come in hit the bags and stuff which is great keep them off the streets or you know messing around if that makes any sense nice to see actually um but yeah so our membership for the adults um it covers all the classes like i said um some of the classes are suitable for some guys um so we have like a couple circuit classes a week boxing circuit classes which is for anyone we have a couple of boxing classes a week which again is for anyone as well but some people just more into the fitness side of things don't come to the boxing classes and some of the boxers that come to the boxing classes don't go to the fitness classes and then we have a sparring class as well once a week where they go for it, it with the sparring class um anyone can go to it as well but i tend to invite people to it so once they reach a certain level i say look it's a sparring class on a tuesday and that's where you can go for it a little bit you know what with the boxing classes we do a lot of technical work yeah. and um you know i don't want full power so for arguments that uh, someone that's 100 kilos could be paired up with someone that's 60 kilos because you're practicing stuff there's no real power involved you know obviously when you're hitting the bags and pads are a little bit different you can hit harder when we're slipping ahead work on our drills and stuff which makes us better boxers um that's on the boxing days but the sparring days we sort of pair everyone up and with a sort of roughly weight roughly sort of experience so that's the only sort of class once a week we sort of steer people to once they reach a certain level Okay. Okay. I got that. Kind of like, you know, in CrossFit, we've got like a competitive kind of class that we offer like yeah. a couple of times a week. And so like people get invited into that class, like when they're ready, of kind course. of as an added on type thing. Okay. And then you mentioned the kids thing right now, are kids free or do they pay? So, like uh, we used to we so we used i was in a smaller um a few years ago i was in a smaller location same same area sorry different unit so i apologize same location but a different unit we had a smaller smaller uh, unit and then when i first started boxing myself when i was younger i sort of um i did it off my own back my parents broke up and stuff like that and i just just wanted to do my own thing and um boxing used to cost me three quid and i used to get 10 quid a week for my parents uh 10 pounds a week and boxing three times a week was nine quid and i used to get a bus pass with the other band for uh, uh, back in england years ago i'm a bit older than that about 20 years ago you get one uh a, a one day bus pass for a pound so i used to use that on certain days i walked the rest of the other days and um so when i started my own gym up um in the smaller area first i used to do like a 12-week free program here my good friend alex we used to do a 12-week she organized it all but i wanted to do it for free for everyone and she said no we need it a certain way we need a i'm not really good with the old computer and stuff like organized want to train people and um we she made a system up so every 12 weeks we get a new bunch of kids in and that was really good i really enjoyed that but at the moment they pay um i think it's four pound they pay a class but next year it's all going to be memberships so a little bit more money but it's better for us in the long run actually gotcha. works out it actually works out they save two quid a month if they come to the classes they're supposed to come to but yeah it's better for us because it's stability but yeah so the class is no more it's not it's not free anymore because we moved to a different location so a bigger unit and the rent's a lot more so we had to start charging we had to start charging a little bit more for that absolutely okay so you've kind of got the adult membership kids are paying like four pound per class yep. somewhere in there Talk to me about how many active members you have in your facility right now. 
So active, oh, it's a weird one. So actual members, membership, that's not the one-to-one training, just the people that come there and use the classes in the gym. Because um, we don't have a contract with anyone, so it, it goes. But on, on average, I mean, it's about 40 to 45 a month at the moment, um, which is obviously tr- still trying to grow that. Um, but we have more than that coming down a week because it, within a month because people do one-to-one trainings or pay as they go. We don't have a contract with anyone. So one of the things I like about our, our gym is there's no contract. So people boxing is one of those sports where you really got to want to do it. We have a few loyal members that's been with us from the beginning. They don't use it that much, um, especially through COVID time. They continued paying it, which obviously helped us keep the gym alive. We almost, we almost got a shut. But um, yeah, about, about 40 odd members. Okay. So 40, 45, somewhere in yep. that range. Now that sounds like from what you just said, a position that you would like to ideally see those numbers tick Go up, up right? Yes. <laughs> So let's talk about that process a little bit. I talk to a lot of gym owners. Obviously, you've heard my podcast before. Yes. You've heard us talk to a lot of a lot of gym owners. And something that we really commonly hear on this podcast, the, the most difficult thing is bringing new faces in the front door of the gym, getting a new flow of clients in. So what are you guys actively doing to get new people in the front door of the facility? So... We've got a really good website, um, a really good website. And we're on Google Maps. People, A lot of people come in there and they always say, oh, I found you on Google Maps. So for Google Maps, they found us, the website or word of math. We do actually get a lot of people come in. But again, a lot of people want to do like a, a, a class, but with their friends, they, they like a private session. Mm-hmm. So me saying 40 members is a lot more than that, but they don't sign up to the membership. But um, again, it's just... Um, we're building up from COVID. So just before COVID yeah. hit, um, 2020, we was pushing sort of like 50 to 60 members and it was really getting busy and we dropped loads. And that's not including the kids. Um, I think for our studio, I kind of want to grow it. Uh, our gym, I want to grow it to sort of like in the next sort of sort of four months, next quarter of next year, sort of want to be looking at sort of between sort of 50 to 60 members, adult members and about 30 uh, members with the kids or maybe 30 to 40 and then once I get to that stage probably look for a bigger premises because even though we've got again a massive massive gym but it's, it's just a nice size gym for what we want it for for boxing um but when we start outgrowing it more people come to the classes we need a bigger premises so that's sort of something we'll look on um the biggest problem is is me with the growing it because I, I really like my job I like training people um I love the classes but they're brilliant I like the people there and um, I don't get a lot of time to do the other side of things as well, like the promotional side of things. Yep. We've got an Instagram page and a Facebook page and the, the guys in the gym are forever bothering me. Robin, post more content, post more content. And uh, we had a show the weekend and I posted a few of the results, like the hands getting raised. People said, Robin, your, your quality of your camera is terrible. So in the next sort of like four or five weeks, I'm going to change myself. That's what needs to be done. More than anything else, it's, it's more me sort of um to change my ways and to, to grow it more if that makes any sense you know yeah no I definitely get that I think that's very common in this industry is like gym owners are so caught up in the business in the yeah. day-to-day coaching working with the clients that it's almost impossible for them to find time to work on the business and the growth of the business right you told me before we even got on air that by the time you're 40 you want to be in a bigger facility yes now in order to make that happen we're gonna to have to find some time to work on 
the business, right? Um, but I get it. It's it's really challenging to make that transition and figure out what changes you need to make to spend more time working on the business. Um, something that you mentioned there is like you use Instagram and you use Facebook. Are you guys running like advertisements, paid advertisements on those platforms? Or is it all just kind of like organic posting and sharing content of your members so we used to do um paid uh, posts a long time ago but then we reached like i said we reached an air, uh, a situation where we outgrew one there one uh one unit we was in then we moved to the next unit and then not long after being into that unit covid striked up so it's probably only in there for like six seven months and then covid happened so it kind of pushed us back a little bit so i know we've sort of been out of covid now just over a year um but slowly getting back to where it was before, a few little changes. Um, I was running the gym with a good friend of mine, Alex, at one point, and um, she had other business interests that so she pulled onto that. And I continue running the gym myself. And like I said, it's a lot to do with me. Like I'm, you know, I'm not slow at anything, but this is not my thing, you know, like advertising and stuff like that. I've got a lot of good people around me, good friends, and they're helping me. And um, I need help myself as well to move the gym on to in a stage where we got to have to move again. So obviously there's next, or I'm sort of working things out at the moment to get the gym into the state where we need to move on again with advertising and stuff like that. But yeah. the answer to your question is no, we um, haven't done anything recently paid advertising. I haven't really needed to a lot. Of, I mean, the people that come in the gym doors, word of mouth, Google maps. And most of the time, once they come and train with us, they usually want to stay as well, or they book a few sessions in advance and, you know, it's been really cool where I, for myself personally, I thought so far we don't need it. People are coming in the door, but I need to start doing that. Definitely. So if I want to grow, you know. Yeah. I mean, right now you have clients coming in, but I don't know if you have this mindset, but I certainly do where it's like, yeah, we have clients coming in through word of mouth. That's hard to predict. So like, why not more? Why not adding another stream of people coming in? And that's why like in 2022, Facebook and Instagram are the way for us, to, the number one way for us to bring in a steady flow of clients because we're always losing clients here and there. So it's great to always be bringing in new faces. And the cool thing about Facebook and Instagram is like people who don't even know that we exist, who maybe could really benefit from boxing, they're going to find us that way. And that's what I love about it so much. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, in the next sort of, you know, four to five weeks, I've got a bit of time off over Christmas, which I'm going to sit down, obviously sweat some advertising, which I've, I've changed some bits, like I said earlier, from the kids' memberships going to be changing. So that will benefit us in the long term. Um, also them as well. So more stability there. And well, I mean, I never cancel kids' classes anyway, unless there's a show on or there's a holiday, uh, like a bank holiday or something like that. So, you know, the class we've got the biggest problem like i said is we i find it hard to trust as well you know so i want to bring another coach in i've got to train them up and i want to do it a certain way and um i'm in the midst of doing it. i mean i'm training someone up we've got two people i'm training up that's going to be running classes for me um in the new year so that's what i mean those sort of obviously listen to your podcast as well and other good friends of mine talking about improving their businesses their way of life uh, they've been able to talk about things that they've been done and obviously listen to your stuff that I need to change to make it bigger because I'm 36 in February I'm getting old now and um, like I said by the time I'm 40 I want a bigger gym yeah yeah I and I you know, I really and I, I'm a trained adults and my friends and I enjoy it 
Yeah, I think we cut out there first. <laughs> That's right. No, I was going to say, it's just, I've got to let the money work for myself as well. Got to earn enough to not be able to worry about things in life. So, yeah, I've um, definitely, definitely got to change the way I am. But like I said, over that Christmas period, I'll be doing that. Definitely. So kind of want to ask you one final good question here is like if you could have a magic wand all yeah. your dreams all your goals for the art of boxing came true you reach them all there's absolutely no limitation here what would that picture look like for you so um i can imagine like a big um fitness gym like so in our country we have like sort of like gym group or like you know um we have loads of different gyms i try to think of something like a big virgin at the front of the gym so those are machines and stuff and at the back of the gym there's like a boxing part and that's kind of what i want okay. you know at the front um loads of the gym like people normally people go into the gym people still want to go to the gym and have a workout um all the machines your weights your running machines and at the back just the boxing bit I see that years ago and I really enjoyed a gym I was at in, in Basildon and I really liked it. That's sort of my dream one day. And at the back bit of the kids coming through classes, adults have classes, helping people build up their confidence, their mental health. And sometimes it's not always just about what is for me. I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of hearing, you know, I've had a kid come to me before and has had problems. I'm not going to go into details or say the name had problems and work with them for a period of like three months, four months. And then they've changed their way. They've, they've built up their self-confidence. They've confessed what's happened to them and it's been dealt with now and and it brings me joy that i've helped along that way so you know obviously financially i want a bigger gym let the gym work for me a little bit more have good people working for me but also just keep helping people you know with boxing you know that's probably yeah. sounds a bit silly but uh you know as long as my family's healthy and you know we've got food on the table just help people you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with us now, last but not least here, where can our listeners go if they want to find you online to learn more about what it is that you do <laughs> over there? So we've got a Facebook and Instagram page, which is the Art of Boxing, the Art of Boxing Studio in Romford. We're on the Google Maps. We're on the internet. <laughs> I sound really old on the computer. Um, I think it's www theartofboxingstudio.com and uh, yeah please yeah get in contact you know absolutely well thanks for being here today Robin for sharing your insight on the industry listeners thanks for tuning in don't forget if you want to stay notified about future episodes hit like hit subscribe if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast fill out the link in the description we will get in touch with you soon as always until next time Gym Lords out Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.